Welcome to Establish the Edge. I'm your host, Mike Leone, here with Adam Rausch to talk GPP game scores as we do each week. Adam, thanks so much for joining me. Glad to be here, Mike, as always. Yeah, and before we dive into the week three GPP game scores, uh, a little review of the past two weeks. So week one, as we noted in the review last week, there was one clear game that hit above all the rest and it was the chalkiest game. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see this scatter plot where in the top right corner, we've got the chargers dolphins game as both the highest scoring game in terms of the top eight players, average DraftKings points from that game. And the ownership of those players was on average, like 16%, which is pretty high when you consider that's eight players from that game. And, no other game, uh, you know, even hit 19 points and then other games were lower owned. So that's not a great week for uh, the contrarian GPP bros. Week two, as you can see, like really different. We didn't have one game that went absolutely nuclear. And we had a bunch of games that are kind of like low owned, higher scoring to the right. So there were a few different ways you could win, which I feel like I do better those weeks where if I'm making smart teams at them, like I'm correlating well. You know, I can make three or four different stacks that like all have a chance to kind of get there and then hopefully hit on some of the one off GPP plays around it. Um, But you can see to the right, like San Francisco, LA, that was a game where like Puka, Debo, Minis really got there in a pretty good way. The Seattle Detroit game that we talked about, um, I was worried when we talked it was going to get steamed. In fact, everyone got scared off that game, including myself a little bit, but I did play a Geno double on FanDuel. But yeah, Adam, definitely a, a different week two than, than we had in week one. Yeah, I was uh, pretty pleased with my Jared Goff dirt plant from last week. That seemed to work <laughs> yes. out pretty well. Um, QB3, I think, on the week. So that was nice. But yeah, it was a really unique week. I mean, you can just see all of the games, how they just kind of slid over to the right, which just basically means there were a lot more higher scoring games. In week one, we had eight games fall beneath the 15-point average threshold. And you can see in week two, we, I mean, basically every single game was either right at that 15 point threshold or above it. Um, Justin Herbert stacks, if we, you know, when I was looking at kind of what were the most successful game stacks with QBs, um, Herbert seemed to kind of stick out ahead of some of the others with Keenan Allen. Uh, that seemed to be a commonality in top 1% lineups and also the Daniel Jones stacks. Um, there, there weren't, there wasn't an obvious, pass catcher to pair him with. Some people played him with Darren Waller and they ended up having good lineups. Some of those people even correlated that with James Conner plays. Um, but Daniel Jones really carried carried those correlations as well. And yeah, that Rams, uh, Rams-Niners game was interesting in the sense that you had Puka, you had Debo, you had CMC have strong games. Kieran Williams had a strong yeah. game. Um, but Stafford nor Purdy was able to kind of anchor the full game stack as far as a QB score goes. So that was a little interesting to see. But ultimately, we just we like having multiple ways to win, which is what we got. Yeah, and I do think there's some – if you're playing the pretty – I play in some very small field tournaments, and you know, your note on San Francisco Rams game, the quarterbacks didn't get there. But I think, one, like sometimes you can survive that, but two, sometimes you can like make a lineup that's like two game stacks, right? Like you can have San yeah. Francisco, LA with Seattle, Detroit or whatever, or actually it was kind of a cheap game too. So you could have fit that with, with Herbert Keenan. And, and, you know, Herbert Keenan was a good example of how the stack can pay off without it being perfect, where 
Keenan was a huge win because not only was his raw point total good, but when you look at the expensive wide receivers, they kind of failed across the board. Um, they either failed or just were average in terms of like Diggs, Adams, um, Jamar Chase, uh, you know, the, Calvin Ridley. You know, the only one that really kind of went off was the 1% owned CD Lamb, which didn't really hurt you. Um, so there's right. huge separation. And then if you play Derrick Henry coming back, it was like fine. And, and then sometimes that's the way it happens. Like, the, there's a correlated piece that's good enough. And then you get on a piece that really helps you to separate. It would have been really uh, fun to see if Anthony Richardson could have finished the Colts Texans game. Cause that ended up doing pretty well. Um, but Richardson had to leave after scoring two rushing touchdowns in the first quarter. So hopefully we get him back this week. We'll see. Yep. And looking at the table for this week, right now, the best game is the Chargers Minnesota game. And really, I mean, if you look at the game totals, it has a 54 game total. And then second is Denver, Miami at 48, five. You've got Chicago KC at 47, which is mostly the KC side. And, you know, it's just two teams that have played kind of up tempo that have have shown an ability to have like high pass rates. So um, this game looks pretty juicy, but everyone's going to see it. We'll see where the ownership comes in at. Like, for example, our first run of ownership, which is pretty raw. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Mike Williams is at 24% in a large field. Maybe that's even higher. Our small field ownership on him is 37. Uh, kind of similarly, Josh Kelly, assuming Eckler out again, our large field ownership at this point in time is 22, small field 35. So these are absolutely the uh, this team candidates in this game, Adam. And if people are wondering, well, it's got a 54 total. It's by far the highest on the week. Why is the game score not really separating that much from the others? What if it has such a high total and such a high projected ceiling? I mean, the ownership is is the simple answer. Um, and again, as you said, this it's it's a raw run on Thursday for ownership, but it kind of makes sense that this game would get steamed the most. Um, but how you can kind of play off of that is maybe you look to target some of the lower owned the lower projected on pieces in this game. Um, TJ Hawkinson is not a comfortable click, but he is projecting for lower ownership. That may rise as this game gets steamed up uh, throughout the week. But um, typically when, when we have these games where both sides are projecting for high pace, high ceiling, high ownership, um, my strategy is to just try to find a piece here and there that you can mix in that, can kind of contrast against the chalkier pieces. Um, but I think there is a balance there. You don't want to not play any of the chalk because there's a there's a reason this game is, sure. is grading out so well. But we at the same time, you know, I don't I don't know if you'd want to play Josh Kelly, Mike Williams, and Justin Jefferson in the same lineup if they all end up at the ownerships we think they will. Yeah. And I have found like looking at some of the correlated stuff, like if you're gonna play this game. As you said, you, you can't get around the chalk. Like if the game hits, it's going to hit, but it might also carry one of those low-owned pieces. I could see Alexander Madison coming in lower with the Cam Akers signing and people, or Cam Akers trade and people, you know, just really off Madison because he's been so bad. But I actually think like for his price and like for how the roles are going to shake out that he's pretty reasonable. And you also have guys. And yeah, the matchup too. Yeah, we know the Chargers will kind of intentionally seed some rushing efficiency to try and 
deflate opposing teams passing. And Jordan Addison is someone that's not going to project well because like there's still so much competition for targets and he's still running less routes than KJ Osborne. I guess Osborne in that category too, like just taking a chance on one of those two wide receivers seems like a good way to play. And you can also just be cognizant of what you're filling in around it. Like if you're in a small field, you play this game stack, it's going to be really chalky. You're going to want some like 5% plays around it. Agreed. Let's look at the next game on our list, which is Denver, Miami. Um, It's just, you know, this Miami offense is, is absurd. I was doing the projections for Miami earlier today and like trying to get their team efficiency in line and, Tua's yards per completion the last two seasons is just like nowhere near anybody else. It's like uh, like 13 plus and like everybody else is like generally like around 11 or so. So it's just like out of control. Um, but yeah, I mean, the question is like, who do you pick on the Denver side of this game? And even Miami, as strong as they are, sometimes it can be difficult to really pin that down. I do think if you play Miami to go off, it's okay to include the running back in that mix. Um, but also, man, I like Durham Smythe too as part of a correlated piece, Adam, but the initial ownership on him is like mid-teens, which just kind of seems high for – we've seen like so much chalk failure already the first two weeks with Likely and Musgrave that there's no way I'm playing Smythe unless it's part of the game stack, and I like right. Smythe. Yeah, I like Smythe too, and that and that's initially where my mind went when looking at the prices – for this game. I will, the advantage of playing Miami stacks is most of the time when two a doubles hit, we kind of know where those points are going to go. Um, but at the same time, you know, Denver has a, a multitude of receivers that they could go to with varying target shares and route participation. Um, so it makes it a little bit tricky to game stack, but that'll give us some opportunities That'll give people some opportunities to kind of be on some plays that I think people are hesitant to be on. But yeah, Smythe is an easy salary saver plug-in at tight end that makes your stack more affordable and more doable to fill in the rest of your lineup. It makes sense, I think, why his ownership is getting where it is. Yeah, and I would note on FanDuel where the pricing gets a little different at tight end, people are going to be funneled to him less. Like they're starving for that punt tight end on DraftKings always, not so much on FanDuel. And he's kind of a better FanDuel play anyways because he's got like a good eight out for a tight end. He does run a lot of routes, but he's never going to be targeted a bunch because of the high target per out run for Tyreek and, and Waddle. So like you're you're banking on some efficiency um, for him. So I, I do like it on FanDuel a little bit better. And on FanDuel too, you get, um, you know, you get Judy at a good price tag. Um it's hard to like, I don't know if I'd play the Russ side, if you can double that, but even Javante Williams is at like a decent, like there's definitely options on the Denver side. I don't know if I'd play the Denver side as a stack. I think it'd be like a Tua Tyreek Smythe thing. I like it better on FanDuel. And one thing with Tyreek Adam that we always talk about, but when you get these receivers that just have these unique ceilings, 20 to 30% is fine, you know? Right. Like, Right. They get to the 50%, yeah, you're worth fading. You 20 to 30, you don't have to play them, but you don't have to fade them either. Right. Right now we have Tyreek at around 16 in small field, 14 in large field. I mean, that's that I mean, that's great. I mean, for the ceiling that he has. And by the way, he's got the highest ceiling projection of any wide receiver on the slate. I mean, that's 
that's what you're looking for. So absolutely, I absolutely agree with you 100% there. Yeah, and we'll see how that shakes out. I could, and that'll pivot off, you know, we talked about this Chargers-Minnesota game, but right now we have people going to Jefferson a bit more. So it'll be interesting to kind of see if people go to Jefferson or Tyreek up top there. Just a quick question for you, Mike. What do you think about Waddle? Because I, I, I'm not exactly sure where you think his ownership's going to end up. He's not a great value, but again, he's got that ceiling that we know where that concentration is going to go if Tua hits big. Yeah, I like Waddle. Um, I like him a little bit more if you're playing maybe something mid-sized or like larger field. Um but I do think there's some input volatility right now with him where like we're projecting a 20% target share because Tyreek's just been such an alpha there. But there were times last year where it looked a little bit closer to like maybe Waddle was more like mid twenties, which, you know, doesn't sound like a huge difference, but for a team that's like not necessarily flooded with a ton of pass attempts, but is like super efficient. Like it does make a pretty big difference to just get another target or two in that projection. And if you look at, I know people can't see the projections right now, but if you sort on ceiling, he's going to be another guy too, where like he pops up in terms of ceiling, you know, with, with a ceiling of 28, you know, kind of up there with Chris Olave, who's a, who's a bit better value. Um, and he starts to separate from guys like Michael Pittman, you know, who he's like similar on base projection, but we definitely have Waddle much higher in ceiling. Granted there's a salary disparity, but yeah, that salary might be a gift to people this week because um, you could you might get Waddle sub five percent. Right. Let's go to Houston Jacksonville. This game's kind of exciting. You mentioned Adam last week that the A. Rich Stroud stuff looked pretty enticing. That game was shooting off. Unfortunately, A. Rich got hurt. But both these teams, what's really fun to see from a fantasy perspective is they're playing up tempo, um, fast pace. Um, and for Houston, you know, trusting their rookie quarterback, which, of course, this week's matchup is against Jacksonville, not Indy. But Jacksonville, they bounced back in terms of play calling last week. You know, I wonder if week one against the Colts, they just had a more conservative game plan and maybe not realizing how the Colts were going to play that one. But we did see the pass rate of expectation trend positive and more pace for Jacksonville in week two. So I don't know what we see week three out of Jacksonville. Like, that's a question mark where... I kind of just assumed every game they were going to call aggressively. Like, do they call it like they did week one or, or not? But if Houston can push Jacksonville, I think this is where the correlations make a lot of sense because I think I don't think it makes sense to play Jacksonville without a Houston piece is, is basically what I'm getting at. Right. And, you know, inter- interestingly enough, the Colts got out ahead last week in Houston and they were at least before, you know, they were using Richardson in the, in the running game, and he was uh, very productive before he got hurt. But then they kind of went towards Zach Moss later in the game, who was – I mean, he just carved their run defense up. And it didn't matter because they would score quickly. And just – I mean, even though they were running, they were scoring quickly, which gave uh, C.J. Stroud opportunities to kind of be in comeback mode. And it kind of sets up similarly here. I, I think we, we have another scenario where Houston's going to be in a trailing game script. And – Bobby Slowick, the OC, has not been shy about letting C.J. Stroud rip it when they're down. That hasn't always been the case in the past with previous quarterbacks, but they've got two solid receivers in Nico Collins and Tank Dell who are projecting as slight values. So I, I 
if you're going to game stack it, I would definitely want one of those guys, even if you think it's going to be kind of a, a Travis Etienne game. Um, again, it's a great spot for him as well. And his passing role helps on DraftKings, certainly. But I, I, I would agree. I, I think um, I, I would still want a Houston piece on the way back. Yeah. And if you've got the stones, you know, Etienne, as you mentioned, like sets up great for him, but the field seeing it, we kind of got him at 20% ownership on DraftKings. Right now we have Ridley, Kirk, Zay Jones for combined, you know, not too much more than what we have Etienne at in large field and in small field. I think Etienne kind of even outpaces those guys and those ownerships will get more dialed in over the weekend. But if anything remotely like that holds, you know, the Lawrence yeah. even triple in a small oh, yeah. field where you get one really good performance from one of the three wide receivers. You get two good enough ones. You get the leverage against the chalk Etienne, and then hopefully you get um, a Houston piece coming back. You meant you know you mentioned Dell um, and and Nico Collins. I wish I played more Nico Collins last week. I really I, I liked yeah, him. Too. I'm worried he's going to steam a little bit more than our default ownership. People were actually on him even he was single digits last week, but he was higher single digits. I thought he was even going to be low single digits. So I'm, I'm a little worried on the steam there, but yeah, that game, that game looks, looks pretty good. One, one final note on that game. We got some news this morning that Derek Stingley, the Texans top corners has a hamstring injury and will definitely miss this game. if not a few games, there's a chance he may even go on IR and the Texans secondary is just absolutely decimated right now. So just with that news alone, I mean, those those Lawrence stacks look even more appealing. Let's jump over to FanDuel um, to talk about this KC-Chicago game because it's our last green highlighted game in the GPP game scores. And this rate's much better on FanDuel. Just the way, you know, Chicago racks up points, it's not ever going to be from a ton of receptions. So um, that's – you also get the wider salary spread, which is like either Herbert – or Roshan Johnson, interesting. If you think Johnson overtakes Herbert, he's only 4,700 on FanDuel, which like, I mean, that's really, really cheap yeah. as far as the wide salary spread at running back. And then KC, you know, you do lose the bonus potential for Mahomes and the full PPR for Kelsey over there, but it makes it easier for one of the ancillary pass catchers on a double to get there, where if they just find the end zone, um, you know, talking like MDS, Tony types there. So um, and, and Pacheco rates really well too. So there's a few different ways you can play it. Um, you could play Pacheco from ahead and then play like maybe a field skinny stack and like take advantage of the fields rushing, or you could maybe play a Mahomes double and go cheap at running back for Chicago. But um, there's some value here at like, I mean, no one's playing any of the Chicago pieces. No. And their primary, the primary benefit of having them is that they're just going to give you that salary relief if you decide to play any of their any of their pass catchers or running backs, um, which is what you're going to need, especially if you want to play Mahomes-Kelsey correlations. Um, again, it's like the same thing we talk about every every week with Kansas City. Mahomes and Kelsey, are, you're, you're going to pay for, but identifying the lower-priced pass catchers in a stack is going to be a crapshoot. Um, you just yeah. don't know what you're going to get every week. But, yeah, I mean, if you – if, if I was going to take a chance on a couple of guys, I think it would be I think it would be Tony or MVS this week. They're they're projecting for pretty low ownership, so um, 
But I like the uh, I like the note about Pacheco. I mean, he's an immense value on FanDuel this week, and um, kind of excited to see what he can do uh, in a game setup like this. Yeah, they eased him in week one. You know, he did have some injury stuff over the offseason, but last week he really carried the bulk of the carries and was a little bit more efficient than he was in week one. Um, after that, Adam, it's kind of like a bunch of games in the middle. Um, every now and then, one of these red games I like more than uh, the GPP game scores suggests that's not this week. I'm out on Tennessee, Cleveland, New England, New York. I um, should mention, too, with New England, New York, that there is some potential weather stuff on the east coast so that's not super big into our projections right now as we get closer to lock if it persists if there's some wind and rain we'll adjust that would also affect the buffalo washington game which i'm surprised the total is not higher but maybe it's part of that weather washington's been pretty plus proe so there's some interest there i know Jahan dotson was on the by leone model for this week but in general kind of just have a bunch of games in the middle here i know you were looking a little bit at atlanta detroit you're running back you're uh your golf dirt plant. Yeah, I just can't, I can't, uh, I have to revel in the, in the, in the take a little bit longer. So I thought I'd bring it up one more time, but no, I, I think Bijan Robinson's role is so good that even in a trailing game script, you know, I mean, I think he works in a game scrap in a game stack, regardless of the script is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Um, and if we can get a, a scenario again, where, Maybe we can get Detroit out ahead earlier in the game. Goff has another good game at home. He always does well at home. Uh, compared, well, he does better, a lot better at home than he does on the road. Um, then maybe we could get, you know, we could get some some heavier PR away from the Falcons. Although I'm not going to hold my breath on that. They've already kind of shown us that <laughs> that Arthur Smith will do anything he possibly can to not have to be uh, a positive PROE team. So we'll see on that. Um, I just kind of like the dynamic of some of the weapons in that game, how they interact with each other. Um, it's, it's a, it's, I'm not, I'm not feeling uh, exuberant about it per se, but um, I just kind of like the setup there a little bit more than some of the other middling games that we're looking at. Yeah. The note on Bijan is a good one too, about him being useful regardless of the script. And, you know, we'll see if he gets a bump because there's so much hype around him right now. But I know on FanDuel, like people are building like the value running back route, it looks like, um, on our early ownership projection. So that's a good way to sort of flip the build, so to speak. And then Jameer Gibbs, I think, has a, a pretty good ceiling with Montgomery out. I do expect Craig Reynolds to play like an annoying amount of the time. And like even he himself is like not the worst GPP play, like near minimum running back salary. But Gibbs is on the the by Leone this week for running back and Look, look for him to do a little bit more of the opportunities that he's given moving forward. Uh, the Baltimore Colts game is interesting too, Adam, where you mentioned if we get Richardson back, we know Indy's playing at a faster pace than they were last year. And we kind of thought the pace stuff might happen with Steichen, but didn't expect the pass rate over expectation to be as positive as it's been. And also didn't expect Richardson to be as good as he's been throwing the football. So if they can push Baltimore, uh, maybe we see Monken go full Monken. We haven't like totally yeah. gotten the Monken effect for Baltimore, but they've also kind of played some boring games from ahead. And I think there's some potential there. We also see the Ravens pass game condense a little bit with Odell Beckham. I believe he's out or likely to be out in this one for the Ravens. Yeah, I 
that yeah that we'll, we'll see about Odell Beckham but um yeah I just I think people are going to be pretty hesitant to play Baltimore stacks I just we haven't seen that that Monken style offense truly manifest yet in in any of Baltimore's games but you know I mean Lamar Jackson Mark Andrews correlations I mean it's it's kind of tough sometimes to play it on a on a slate where you know you can get uh stacks with a little better value but I mean it's just it's you kind of know okay if 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 Odell's out you're gonna have Lamar you're gonna have Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers is gonna roll you know should increase so um yeah, I, I think those guys are a little appealing there. Um, Jackson and Andrews are coming in below 10%. I don't think that's going to get above that. I think those guys are going to be played pretty marginally. Um, and yeah, we'll see about Richardson's status. Uh, but even without Richardson in there, you know, the Colts offense had no problem operating last week in Houston with Minshew under center. Uh, even Michael Pittman's gotten there, got there a little bit last week. I mean, he was kind of getting some volume there, getting some receptions. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, tempted to even throw Josh Downs as like kind of a gross name in there. He's, he kind of showed out last week, played pretty well, mm-hmm. might get an increased workload this week. So we'll see it. It's again, it's another kind of average projecting game, but, um, one of the more interesting ones. Yeah, you got Granson at tight end, too. I, I do think I like it a little bit better on FanDuel than DraftKings, which is kind of interesting. Our game scores kind of has it the same. But just looking at, you know, the Baltimore pieces seem like it's just harder for them to get there um, value-wise on DK than on FanDuel. Um, all right, let's I, – I don't see too much else here. Um, you know, maybe something on Carolina-Seattle with Geno stuff and, and hoping yeah. – Miles Sanders coming back. Maybe they just, you know, run into something. It looks like Bryce Young's probably going to be out there and Andy Dalton's going to play. I don't see too much else though. So let's, let's go to the, uh, the dirt plants, Adam, I'll let you go first. I'm still kind of. Yeah, through. man, I, I was, it was, it's a little bit of a tough week for me for dirt plants. I originally, my, I, my, my answer was going to be Durham Smythe, but I just don't know if he <laughs> constitutes as like a gross play because I was thinking it too. On him. I mean, but people are kind of on him. So I don't know if that's truly considered gross enough. I mean, the, the essence of a dirt play is not only someone who's going to be, you know, kind of a lower salary or, or not as great of a value, but just like no one is going to think to play this guy. Um, that That's how I like the dirt plants. Um I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll say Durham. I mean, I'll say Durham Smythe is a cop out. But if you want a really, really gross play, I think if Andy Dalton plays in Seattle, I think that actually might be better for Carolina this week. And uh, maybe, maybe Adam Thielen will be the dirt plant of the week. That's there. that's the epitome of a dirt yeah. plant is Adam Thielen. Yeah, I think Smythe is acceptable on Fanduel as a dirt plant. I don't okay. think it's, it's a multi-site dirt plant, but I'll, I'll take it on Fanduel. Um, Man, it's, it's early in the week, so this stuff is, you know, subject to change. But I'll go Alexander Madison as a way to play this Chargers-Minnesota game. Um, I just think between the Acres stuff and how bad Madison's been, everybody is ripping on this dude. And I think as bad as it seems right now, it's probably not quite that bad. And this, this is sort of the spot. You know, if he's horrible again right. this week, sort of throwing the towel on him. But... I think it's a, it's a good gamble to take. We got to hope for it. 
I got too many. I got too many shares of him to to let him fail this week. So it, it better be this week. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go. I mean, it's sort of now or never for him. Yep. But um, yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Best of luck in week three, and uh, we'll be back here for week four. Thank you.